Hello everyone. Welcome to Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda. So glad you joined me. And if you're here for the first time, here on this channel, we read through the scriptures together. We make sure we understand what we're reading and we make application to our lives. And a new video is posted uh, every Wednesday or by every Wednesday. Um, so uh, give me a thumb up, subscribe to the channel. If you subscribe to the YouTube channel called Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda, you'll be notified whenever a new video is, uh, is uploaded. Uh, and remember that comments and questions are always welcome. And if I don't know the answer, we'll definitely research it and try and give you the biblical answer that, um, uh, answer to any questions that you might have. So last week we were on chapter 23. We started chapter 23 and we actually got down to verse, uh, we went one verse one through 12. And in those chapters, we talked about how Jesus criticized uh, the religious leaders <clears throat> for doing things that um, just to be seen. Um, we talk, and we also talked about how um, when we read the Bible, there are sometimes God put things in there for us to uh, be reminded of what we should not do. And uh, being a, like a Pharisee is something that we definitely do not want to do. And so Jesus criticized the uh, religious leaders, the scribes and Pharisees because of them wanting to be seen. And remember we talked about how they wanted to be seen by putting um, scriptures on their head and putting it really big so everybody could tell that the, how religious they are with the scriptures that they had tied around their head, right in their foreheads, you, everybody can see that. Uh, also they had, they wore long tassels uh, to show how holy they, are, they were and how much they were following all the laws. <clears throat> they also wanted to be uh, seated in the best seats. Uh, when they get to the banquets and when people call them uh, rabbi, when they see them in the marketplace, the way they want to be recognized. So anyway, the Pharisees were doing a lot of things to be seen. And the bottom line is Jesus does not want us to be that way. Okay, we should not be that way. So today, and we only got to verse 12, but today we're going to start with verse, thir uh, verse 13 in, in, in chapter 23 of Matthew. And starting in verse 13, we're going to read about eight woes and some other um, uh, Bible um, translations talk about seven woes. We're going to talk about eight different woes on the Pharisees. And we're also going to talk about the, in the last few verses of this chapter, how Jesus grieved over Jerusalem. So let's just start off with a, a word of prayer. And, and just remember, as we as we get into this, we're still on Tuesday. Uh, this is Tuesday. Jesus is going to be crucified on Friday. So this is, what, three days, three days before his crucifixion. So a lot is happening on Tuesday. A lot of uh, teaching is going forth, and a lot of situations are going on. So let's just start with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we just love you on today. We appreciate you. But we recognize that we can't do anything without you. We ask that you would just come in and take over. Come in and be the teacher. Show us those things that we've not seen. Father, illuminate us. Give us wisdom. Give us knowledge. Give us understanding. I pray for all those listening, all those that will listen. Holy Spirit, that you would touch each heart where they are, no matter where they are, oh God. Show them how much you love them, Jesus. 
Father, I thank you. We praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, so <clears throat> let's just jump right in because it's uh, a lot of information to cover. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 23 and we're going to start in verse 13. I believe I'm going to read through the entire um, chapter. Uh, we'll probably stop at verse 36. So let's just read down to verse 36. And we're in the uh, King James Version, verse 13 of Matthew chapter 23. It said, but woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer, therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, you blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Verse 17. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever swear by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift. Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar, swear by it and by all things thereon. And whosoever shall swear by the temple, swear by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by the heaven sweareth by the throne of God and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anus and common. Those are spices. So they're tithing off their spices. And you, you pay tithes to mint, anus, and common and have omitted the weightier matters of the law which are judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a net and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like the withered, the, I'm sorry, for you are like the whitest sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. 
Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. And say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. In other words, we would not have killed the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourself that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up in the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and prosecute them from city to city that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Berechias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Okay, we're really close to, to finishing, but we're going to stop right there. So there's a lot of woes that we just read and a lot of things that he's telling us not to do. Remember, this is what he's telling us not to do. And you need to read the whole Bible because if, if, if God put it in here and allowed it to be in the scripture, it's something that we need to take note of. Okay. So when you talk about these words, uh, woe, well, let's talk about the, the definition of hypocrites first. Definition of a hypocrite is a person the dictionary definition, the person who pretends to have virtues or qualities that he or she does not have. A person whose actions contradict their stated beliefs or feelings. So, and you look up the word woe, because he said woe uh, eight different times in here. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees. Well, the word woe is an exclamation of grief and it's a... Uh, uh, it's indicating, in the dictionary, it indicates great sorrow. Uh, it's indicating that there's about a judgment is getting ready to fall. Woe unto you. Something's getting ready to happen to you. You're about to be judged. Okay? So that's what the woe is standing for, uh, in the, according to the Strong's uh, concordance of the Bible. Now, according to Strong's, we look up this word scribes. Scribe is a professional writer or secretary, because he said, want you scribes. Um, in the dictionary definition of a scribe is a person who copies out documents before printing was invented. So, you know, before we had the printing machine, the scribes used to be the ones that were writing the Bible, was, was translating the Bible and writing things out and translating into the other languages. They were an ancient Jewish record keeper or later a professional called a professional theologian or jurist. And a jurist is an expert and writer on the law. Okay, so this was who the scribes were. Then he talked about the Pharisees. The Pharisees was a Jewish sect, and we've, we've talked about the Pharisees before. They were separatists. They were exclusively religious. They were very religious. They stuck very closely to the scripture. They tried to anyway. 
And remember we talked about the Pharisees a while ago, how they started off, um, they started off during the dark ages when, um, they were trying to keep people close to the Bible. So they, they so in their efforts to keep people close to the Bible, they added a, a lot of more, a lot of, uh, rules and regulations to the Bible and to the word. So they just added more laws, uh, to the, to the scriptures, which made it very difficult for people. So they started off trying to stick to the word and they ended up, uh, just, just, just going overboard with all their rules and regulations. So the definition, the dictionary definition of a Pharisee is a member of a Jewish sect who believed in strict observance of the traditional and the written law and considered themselves superior. They, so in our term, it would be uh, a self-righteous person. When we, when we speak of Pharisee, we think of a self-righteous person and we think of a hypocrite. Hypocrite. Hypocrite is a person, uh, according to Strong's, is a person that's acting under assumed and assumed characters. So you're acting out of character. The, the dictionary definition of a hypocrite is claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. So you're pretending. And I sum that up to say a hypocrite is somebody that's pretending that you are something that you are not. Now that, that's my definition. So let's go through these woes. The first woe he uh, pronounced to them in verse 13. He says, woe to you that you shut the door to the kingdom of heaven so that you and no one else can enter in. So what is he talking about when they shut the door? Uh, the door to the kingdom of heaven and a door into God is Jesus Christ. And the way the Pharisees shut that door is because they do not believe in Christ. There's only one way to get to heaven, get to God, is through Jesus Christ. So if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, that door is shut to you. And so when they're teaching all these other people that there's other ways to get there besides through Jesus Christ, get here through all your religiousness, that's shutting the door. So the lesson that, to be learned for us from this first woe is that you can't enter the kingdom of heaven by your own good works because that's what they thought they could do. You can only enter in through, through faith in Jesus Christ. There's only one way into the kingdom. And if you don't accept Jesus, you can't get in. The Pharisees thought their good works would get them in. So then the second woe in verse 14, in this woe, uh, and some translations don't have this woe, but th this is listed here in uh, Mark 14, verse 12, Mark chapter 12, verse 40. So these religious leaders were taking advantage of widows who helped to feed and support them. And they were saying long prayers. So what does this mean that they were devouring widows' houses? What does that mean? Basically, that they were taking advantage of them. To devour is to eat, to eat, eat it down. So that could be literally or, or figuratively. So there should be a balance. There should be a balance. The lesson for us is don't take advantage of people and those who are less fortunate. Because if, if she's a widow, that means her, her means is probably uh, small. Don't encourage people to give you their rent money 
so that they can be blessed. And people, we need to watch that. Um, God gives you, uh, he said he will supply all your needs. So oftentimes God is supplying our needs. And then you'll, you'll see a TV evangelist come on and say, well, if you want God to bless you, God said you got to send me $1,000 right now. But that $1,000 was to pay your rent and to pay other things. And, and if God, you have to be real careful because uh, it'll pull on your heartstrings. You think, oh, if I want to be blessed, I got to pay for it. So you, you, you can't pay for a blessing. Don't try to pay for a blessing. Now, if God tells you to do something and you know it's thus said the Lord, sure, you do that. But I'm telling you, oftentimes, it's not the Lord telling you to do that. It's a religious uh, a person on TV that's pulling at your heart, she's making you think that if you don't do this right now, you're not going to be blessed. That is not God. God will bless you. And, and you don't have to pay for a blessing. So so be careful about that. Uh, even, even as ministers and preachers, just, uh, we need to be careful. We need to be careful that we're not causing the people to be uh, overtaxed or overspent uh, and, and spending money that they should be using to take care of their children uh, because God bless them for that because we're making them feel guilty like they're, they're missing out on, on, on God or they're going to miss out on their blessing if they don't give us their rent money. I, I, I'm sorry now. And pray for me if you don't agree with me, but I just don't believe that's God. So God bless you with money to take care of your needs. He said he would supply all your needs. Don't give your blessing for your needs away to a television preacher. So the lesson for us about the long prayers. Uh, saying a long prayer doesn't make you holier. Because remember he said that, that not only were they taking advantage of widows, but they were saying long prayers. So, I mean, this is one of my pet peeves, too, and I know some people have the same issue. Uh, saying a long prayer is not going to mean that you're just more spiritual than everybody. And that's not your, when somebody asks you to pray for, bless the food, that's not your opportunity to do your sermon. No, just simply bless the food, that God would take out all the impurities, that he would bless the hands that prepared it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, something simple. You're not bringing it in the kingdom when you're blessing the food, you know. And, you know, I always have to say the caveat, unless God and the Holy Spirit is doing something else, because it's possible that during a time of eating that the Holy Spirit decides, well, I don't want y'all to eat right now. I'm going to do something else. Okay, well, that's different. But I mean, when you have somebody that, that's just supposed to be blessing the food and they go all out in left field. Uh, but that doesn't make you holy because you have a long prayer. You could have a simple prayer uh, and be way holier than a person that's taking 10 minutes to pray. And you can pray for 10 minutes and it could be God. So, you know what I'm saying? It's just a balance. Just follow the Holy Spirit. So the third wall, the third wall he gave was in verse 15. It says, you convert people and turn them into worse people than you are. Twice a child of hell. Why? And this is, they were saying that the Pharisees were going out and they were finding proselytes or, or uh, converting people to be, to come into the kingdom but when they found them, they indoctrinated them with their beliefs, with all their religiousness, with all their rules and regulations. And so those people became worse than the Pharisees who found them because they were teaching the new converts all their religious and legalistic concepts. So what's the lesson for us? When you are converting someone, when you are teaching somebody or um, 
leading somebody to the Lord, let's just remember we want to teach them the word. We don't want to teach them our concepts or our pet peeves or giving them our opinions about everything. Teach them the Bible. If you teach them the Bible, it'll be with them forever. And the word of God will change them. That's the, that'll be a changing agent. The fourth wall in verse 16 through 22, according to the Nelson Study Bible, in these verses, they were falsely teaching that swearing by the temple, the altar, and heaven were not binding, but swearing by the gold of the temple, the gift on the altar, or God were binding. And Jesus called them blind guides. He said, you blind guides. So what is swearing? Swearing is when you make an oath. And, and, and when he called them blind guides, okay, if you're blind, how are you going to lead somebody if you can't see the way yourselves? So they're leading people and they're blind to the truth themselves. So the lesson for us in this wall, and this is wall number, this wall number, the fourth wall. So the lesson for us is, is that it's, it's okay. Now, blind to the truth. So it's okay if you don't know the answer to something. Sometimes we feel... Like we, you know, we're going to look small or less religious if we, if we don't give somebody an answer, even if we don't know the answer. I'm sorry. I, I am, I am free with that. It's okay. If I don't know, I'm going to tell you, I don't know. We're going to pray about it. Let's research it. Let's see what the Bible said it's about. Let's look at the scriptures. I'm, I don't want to just give you something off the top of my head. And so it's okay for us to say, I don't know. I'll get back with you. I don't know. We're going to research that. Well, let's study that together. How about that? And see what what uh, what the Holy Spirit says. So, you know, it's nothing wrong with that. Now, also about the swearing. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 34 to 37, that we should not swear at all. Because he remember in those verses he was talking about swearing by the altar and swearing by this and swearing by that. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 34, it says, I'm going to read 34 to 37. Says, but I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your con your communication be yea, yea, and nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. So in other words, he's telling us, you don't have to swear about anything. This is, this is the, the, new, the new generation, new creation. Our new, underneath our new covenant, you don't have to swear about anything. Just have integrity. When you say you're going to do something, do it. Be a person of your word. Then the fifth wall in verse 23. In the fifth wall, he said, you tithe on everything. They were tithing on their spices. So I guess they were every tenth a piece of, of mint or, or anise or whatever they had as a spice, they would give it to the Lord. And I mean, that, that was being really, really small and petty. He said, but you neglect the other more important aspects of the kingdom, which is justice, mercy, and faith. In Luke eleven forty two, 42, it says, if, we follow, if you read that, if you follow all the rules, tithing, and you do not show love, mercy, faith, etc., we are missing the mark. So what we need to remember, remember 
that the greatest commandment is to love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your might. And the Pharisees made a big deal out of minor things while ignoring or allowing or missing the greater sins. For example, and, and how do we do that? Give you an example of that. Uh, sometimes being super religious, we focus on the wrong things. Uh, for an example, as a person comes into the church and maybe, you know, say it's a female and she's got on a super short dress or she's got on, you know, something maybe a little low cut. Um, God doesn't really want us to, to all pounce upon this person and say, oh, you can't come in here looking like that. Oh, you, uh-uh, you, when you come in God's house, you got to, no, no. You need to re reach the person's spirit. You need to feed them spiritually. You need to get them into the word because the word is a changing agent. We need to focus on saving that person's soul as opposed to trying to, to make them feel bad about what they have on. That might be all they had in their closet. And if you pounce upon them about what they're wearing, okay, if uh, they probably don't want to come back to church again. So you want to pull them in, love on people. Let's love on people and not run them away. And focus on the big things. Someone once said that you have to catch a fish first before you can clean it. So you make sure they're in there. And I'm going to tell you the word of God is going to clean them. Just keep giving them the word. Then the sixth wall. Sixth wall in verse 25 through 26 says, You wash the outside of the cup or the dish just to look good, but the inside is still dirty. Clean your insides first and the outside will be clean. So what's, what lesson is that for us? lesson for us is God looks on the heart. Make sure we have the right motives for everything that we do. We might be able to fool some people, but you cannot fool God. God sees everything. He knows how you think. He knows your attitude. So, you know, don't try to just look a certain way on the outside because you can't fool God. And he's the one you're going to have to please. Seventh woe. The seventh woe is verse 27 to 28 says, uh, that they look, they were like whitewashed tombs. Wow. Who are full of dead men's bones. Still talking about scribes and Pharisees. You look righteous on the outside, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. So the whitewashed tombs, just so you know what that is, in the Bible times, if you touched a tomb or something that was dead, you were considered unclean. So in order for them uh, not to accidentally touch any graves. They would whitewash the graves so that they could easily be visible to avoid people walking on them. And you can find that in Numbers chapter 19, verse 16. So the Pharisees and the scribes looked good on the outside, but inside they were spiritually dead. That's what it means when it says you look good on the outside, looked all whitewashed, but inside the dead man's bones. They were spiritually dead. So what's the lesson for us? The lesson for us is don't be a hypocrite. Faking it to make it. And, and this is not a judgment. This is for this is warnings for us. Remember, we're reading this as warnings for us that God, God doesn't want us to be this way. If you find yourself in any of these woes that we're talking about, cry out to God. He's just trying to get your attention. He just don't want you to be that way. So cry out to God. God changed me. I don't want to be this way. I see myself in that woe. I don't want to be that way. God can change you and cleanse you on the inside. So ask, seek, knock, 
and you are going to find. God will answer your prayer and change you into his image. The A4 in the final wall says uh, in verse 29 to 33, says you claim you are not like your forefathers who killed the prophets, but you are just like your fathers. Jesus called them snakes and sons of vipers. Wow. You will be judged. He's talking about the scribes and Pharisees. You're going to be judged. Jesus knew that they would be plotting to kill him. That's why he said you're just like your father. Because they were saying, well, if we were heading back in the day, we wouldn't have killed all those prophets like our fathers did. Well, Jesus saying, yeah, you would. Because Jesus knew that y'all are going to be plotting to kill me in a few days. So what lesson is that? For us to learn in this eighth wall, don't shoot the messenger. When God sends you a message to someone, don't shoot the messenger. Listen to what they have to say. Because oftentimes, um, well, even if it's a prophetic word that you get, sometimes you can hear a prophetic word and you say, Well, I don't think that's me. Well, I don't, I can't see myself in that. Don't just disannul the word. If you don't see yourself in that prophetic word, put it on the shelf. And how do you put it on the shelf? Say, Lord. I don't really see myself in what this person is saying, but if this is me, if this is something that you want to show me, then you reveal it to me. That way you're leaving the door open for God to reveal something to you and you're not just flat out dismissing it like, I want to hear that. Because you don't, if it's God, you do want to hear it. So you don't want to just shut it out. So don't be so quick to point the finger at everyone else as being wrong. That's another uh, way that we need to look at this. Uh, Sometimes God is trying to show you something about yourself. So even if, if, if what the person did is wrong and there's a situation that you go through, you should always look to look inward first. Lord, what are you teaching me in this situation? What is the nugget you want me to get out of this situation? What truth are you trying to show me in this? How can I have done? What could I have done better or different? So God will allow uncomfortable situations many times to get our attention. Let's not miss our opportunity to, to change and repent. Also, whenever someone gives you a word that you don't like uh, or that you just don't see, don't just dismiss it. As I said, put it, put it on the shelf and ask God to show it to you. So in verse 34 through 36, Jesus predicts the future here where he's telling them that you are going, I'm going to send more prophets to you and more teachers and you're going to kill them and crucify them and beat them and chase them from your city. So Jesus being prophetic because that's exactly what's going to happen to the disciples. And he's also told them you're going to be held accountable for the death of all the saints from the beginning of time. So God's judgment is going to fall. And now I want you to notice also in verse 34 that Jesus said that he would send them prophets and wise men and teachers, which let us know that again, that Jesus is not against teachers. Uh, he's not against all that. He's just against fake teachers and false teachers who say they are a teacher, but they're really not. They're not teaching. They don't have a heart for the people. Makes a difference. But in uh, Jeremiah, we don't have time to go there right now, but in Jeremiah chapter three, verse 15 God promised us that he would give us shepherds that were after his own heart. Amen. So we're believing that God's going to do that. And the last part, because we only have a couple more verses in verse 37, says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and, and stonest them which are sent out, sent unto thee, 
How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and you would not. And in Luke, it's also telling us in this chapter, in this verse, that Jesus was weeping when he was saying this about Jerusalem. Verse 38, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So even at the end of this chapter, Jesus is telling them, you know, he, he's, his heart is heavy. His heart is heavy and broken when he see how, uh, how the chosen people, the state of the chosen people, because Jesus sees the future and he knows that come 40 years from now, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed and they're going, the uh, temple is going to be torn down. So he's weeping over them because he, because he said, I wanted to gather you. So it's also showing us the heart of God. Jesus showing us the heart of God. It's not God's will that any should perish. And we will talk a little bit more about that next week, but it's not his will that any should perish. He want all to come to repentance and he's long suffering. And so he is weeping over the state of Jerusalem. So, amen. So let's just, uh, we're going to close in prayer, but just remember the, we don't want to be like the Pharisees or the scribes. We don't want to be religious. We don't want to be fake people. We want to be real. We want to allow God to change us and mold us and make us. Amen. Amen. And if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, please go on to my channel called Read Through the Bible, Elder Linda. And there's a playlist with two videos called uh, The Sinner's Prayer. There's a short version and there's also a longer version with all the scriptures called Teaching About Salvation, which will lead you to Christ. So please go on there if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it'll explain to you why you need Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let's just end with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Holy Spirit, Father, that, that you're teaching us, oh God, not to be hypocrites and not to be like the Pharisees. Lord, we want to be real. We want to be genuine. Lord God, change us, mold us, make us. If there's anything in us that resembles these Pharisees, that resembles this, this hypocritical kind of a character, God, we just pray that you would cleanse us, oh God. We just lay before you asking you to change us, oh God. Make us more like you. We surrender our lives to you. We surrender to you, asking you to have your way in our lives. And we're careful to give you all the praise and all the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you, and I'll see you next week.